How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate anyone who tuned in earlier today for my first ever Instagram live session. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and go check that video out while it's up for 24 hours on my story. And also give the page a follow if you could, please. Um, really appreciate Justin Cooper and Takal Molson hopping on with me for a little bit. Um, talking about LMC Athletics and then Seton Hall Basketball. Um, so I appreciate those guys hopping on. We got some uh, more guests coming on, uh, which I'll detail later in the week. So keep an eye out on Instagram for those. Probably announce that Monday or Tuesday. We're going to have some guests keep going forward on these Saturdays. Um, again, if you have any suggestions of what you want to hear on the podcast, please feel free to send me a message there. And would love to hear your guys' uh, responses. So today I said I'm going to give a little bit of a surprise. I didn't really tell you what I was going to talk about for today's episode. Um, I want to keep it a little bit short today just because I did have um, the live guests earlier. So it's probably going to be only about 18 to 20 minutes today. Um, so NFL draft's going on right now. Um, they're, I believe, in the fifth round currently. I'm just going to go through day one, first round. I'm going to talk about the teams that I made, thought made the four best picks and the teams that made the four worst picks. And then I'm going to be talking about um, which 10 games I thought were the best games of the over the last decade. Um, so starting off with the NFL. So first really big sporting event we've had since um, the coronavirus shutdown besides the WNBA draft um, a little over a week ago. But really interesting picks last night. I'm going to start off with my four best picks. Um, teams I thought that really got good value for their pick or really filled a huge need and addressed um, what they needed to going into this upcoming season. So starting off, I thought the Broncos getting Jerry Judy from Alabama, the wide receiver at 15th overall, was huge. Um, really need to give Drew Locke some weapons. I know Corlin Sutton really turned it on, especially late in the season last year. However, they really needed to keep giving him more weapons if they want him to be successful. And in that division specifically, you know, the Chargers did a lot of good things. They have a really good defense. You know, Kansas City reigning Super Bowl champions. Oakland's been making some moves as well. So you're going to need to score a lot of points to compete in that division. So adding Jerry Judy, especially at 15, um, was great value. Um, I know Henry Ruggs went before him personally. I thought um, Ruggs and Lamb were better than Judy. I was actually surprised that Lamb fell after, but um, good value for the Broncos. And speaking of C.D. Lamb, um, he's another player I thought was one of the best picks of the first round. He fell right into the Cowboys' lap at 17, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Um, I personally thought that he was the best player in the draft as far as the wide receiver position. So being able to get him as the third wide receiver off the board um, at 17 was super good value for the Cowboys. Um, it really puts them in a great position to be successful now an offense under Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. Now you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. That's a great receiving core, probably one of the best in the NFL to go along with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. And don't forget about their backup, Tony Pollard, who I personally think could start on a handful of teams. I think he's a super good backup um, for them right now. Then you look at the eighth pick. Um, Isaiah Simmons going to Arizona, the outside linebacker from Clemson. I know he's listed as an outside linebacker, but you've seen what he can do 
um, at the college level at Clemson. They lined him up at slot corner, outside corner, linebacker, uh, safety. He pretty much plays everywhere. Dude's an absolute freak. Um, you know, Arizona did a lot of great things in the offseason, especially on offense, going out and trading for DeAndre Hopkins. They brought back Kenyon Drake. They have Larry Fitzgerald again for another season. So now you have Christian Kirk, Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake. Um, and then they really just needed to add over to that defense to go along with Chandler Jones. And I think Isaiah Simmons is exactly the type of player they need, especially because they have Buda Baker on the back end as well. And then Patrick Queen, um, the linebacker for from LSU, that went 28th to the Ravens, I thought was an incredible pick. I thought he was the best linebacker by far in the draft. And getting him at 28th, just because a lot of teams have a bunch of good linebackers, and you know a lot of other teams were focused on getting the wide receivers, the offensive linemen. Um, you saw the the run on quarterbacks, and then a few of the surprise pick at corner, and then Jordan Love going to Green Bay. I'm allowed the Ravens to kind of sneak in and grab a guy that really will help them on defense, especially because they did lose C.J. Mosley last year in the offseason to the Jets. So guy that I feel like is going to be right, uh, be able to plug in and play immediately. So now going to the four worst picks, starting off with the Raiders. Not shocking here considering I feel like the Raiders um, always make bad picks. But um, Darman Arnett at 19th, the cornerback from Ohio State, was a very questionable pick. Um, he definitely isn't a terrible player by any means, but I thought he was more of a second-round talent. And just listening to the analysts and whatnot from ESPN, you know, the drop-off between the one through three cornerbacks uh, was pretty significant. And, you know, some of them had Arnett at like four or five. Some of them had him at nine or ten best, best corner, excuse me. And I thought it was just a bit of a reach just because of the other cornerbacks that were on the board at that time. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of Trevon Diggs. I thought he fell um, a good amount, and the Cowboys got him in the second round. Um, and I just thought that it was a bit of a reach for the Raiders at that point. Um, Jordan Love was the biggest question mark, I think, for everyone day one. I didn't like the pick at 26 to the Packers from Utah State. Um and it's not anything against Jordan Love. Um, I actually think Jordan Love's a good quarterback. I think he, um, I actually had him as the third best quarterback in the draft. I thought um, Burrow was one, Tua was two, and I actually had Jordan Love three and then Justin Herbert. But, um, and I don't think he will have a bad NFL future or anything. I think for the long term, um, it might be a good pick. But for right now, I just think it's an absolutely terrible pick. I mean, people have seen the stat about how since they have gotten Aaron Rodgers, 15 straight years in the draft, they haven't taken a running back, a receiver, tight end, guys to help out their quarterback. And not addressing that not only like shortens your window of potentially winning while you still have a few good years of Aaron Rodgers left, but you already know Aaron Rodgers probably isn't going to be too happy with that considering – you know, I know Aaron Jones is really good and Adams is good, but he's had some health concerns over the past few years. But outside of Adams, they really don't have any good tight ends or wide receivers outside of him. So um, getting Jordan Love I don't think was very smart. Um, the Eagle, Eagles kind of shocked me tailing, taking Jalen Rieger um, from the wide receiver from TCU at 21st. Um, 
I actually also like Jalen Rieger, but um, there was a lot of other good wide receivers I thought that would have filled the Eagles' need more, um, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, uh, Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman Jr. Um, I just don't see the fit for Rieger solely because, you know, they already have a speedster in Deshaun Jackson, and I know he's getting up their age, and they actually just traded for Marquise Goodwin. So this pick kind of confuses me. Um, also because you do have Elshon Jeffrey who has injury issues, but he's more the big body. I feel like they just needed a guy that stayed healthy more and would be a big threat for Wentz to throw the ball to. And Rieger is only 5'11". They could have had a lot bigger wide receiver, more productive. And I just don't know about Rieger's ability um, right away to beat these outside corners who are going to be big and physical with him. Especially when, you know, the NFC is pretty tough. And, you know, that division seems like a lot of the other teams are getting better. Even though that division's always up in the air. Um, I feel like the Eagles only have a short amount of time. Excuse me. Um, to potentially win another Super Bowl with Wentz. And you can kind of tell that they don't have a ton of faith because they took Jalen Hurts because of Wentz's injury issues. But I just thought the Rieger pick was a bit questionable. Then finally, the Giants... I'm taking Andrew Thomas at fourth overall, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Um, and they did the right thing in addressing the offensive line to protect Daniel Jones and help out Saquon Barkley. However, I thought Thomas was the third or fourth best offensive tackle. I thought the Browns actually got um, the best uh, offensive lineman in the draft at 10. Um, so it's not a terrible pick, but of all the other first round picks, I kind of thought the Giants missed here. But yeah, a lot of great players going. Uh, like I said, Jordan Love was definitely the biggest surprise of night one. And we haven't really seen any huge monstrous trades um, as far as picks go. I know the 49ers acquired Trent Williams today and the Eagles got Marquise Goodwin today. And the Dolphins acquired Matt Breida as well. But other than that, pretty great draft so far. Interesting to see how it plays out. Um, so now moving on to the top 10 sports game of the last decade. Um, these aren't in any particular order. Um, it was too tough to really put them in order just because it all really depends on what kind of fan you are. You know, basketball fans are obviously going to put basketball things higher, football, football things higher, and whatnot. And I definitely missed a few on here that could have easily been on here. Like, I don't have um, Abby Wambach's goal that really saved Team USA. I don't have that on here. Um I could have put Alex Ovechkin winning his first Stanley Cup. That could have been on here. Um, just games like that that easily could have been on here that I just didn't think would make my list personally. Um, starting off with the 10th one, I had Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. I think that was just a big moment over the last decade because of Tiger Woods dealing with all his off-the-course issues, whether it was him getting arrested or dealing with back injuries and just injuries in general so to see him come back I mean regardless of what you think about him as a person he is one of the greatest golfers of all time if not the greatest golfer of all time so see him come back and win the 2019 Masters was pretty special um ninth I had Kobe scoring 60 points in his final game ever rest in peace um to Kobe and that unfortunate plane crash but um Shaq said it best you know he wanted Kobe to go out and get 50 and he said that mother effer got 60. Um, 
you know, Kobe is one of the greatest players of all time, and I just remember watching that game, and you knew he was going to take a ton of shots, and then late in the game when he just turned it on, and you can just tell when a special moment's happening, and it's like, for a player like him, you know he deserves it, and you can just feel that it's coming, and then him hitting that jumper um, to take the lead in the final minute um, was really just poetic justice for him and his career. Number eight, I had Derek Jeter's walk-off in his final home game against the Orioles. Um, Derek Jeter's one of the most widely known baseball players today, um, one of the greatest shortstops of all time. And, you know, he really did have a little bit of a struggle during his last season. He didn't hit the ball very well. But down the stretch when, you know, he knew his last games were coming up, he really started playing well. And, you know, that walk-off was just something to behold. You know, stepping up in the bottom of the ninth, you hear the announcer for the last time at home do Derek Jeter, number two, and all that. And um, for him to hit a walk-off, it was pretty special. Um, number seven, I had the Cubs winning their World Series for the first time in over 100 years, breaking the so-called curse. Um, you know, I'm not huge into baseball like a lot of other people. I'm a Yankees fan, but um, seeing the Cubs win a World Series is really cool just because um, the Cubs to me are almost like the Bills where, you know, the Bills have gotten there before and just didn't close the deal to win the Super Bowl. And I feel like the Cubs were kind of like that where they were dealing with these long playoff droughts or getting to the World Series and losing. And, you know, to see them win was really something special, um, especially for the city of Chicago. You know, they're a really passionate sports city. So to see them win was really cool. Um, number six, I have Malcolm Butler's pick versus Seattle in the Super Bowl to seal the deal for the Patriots to win their Super Bowl, um, their fifth for Brady. Um, and it's just going to go one of the most crazy games of all time just because everyone knows that Pete Carroll should have just given the ball to beast mode Marshawn Lynch. You're at the two-yard line, maybe the one-yard line, whatever it was, and you decide to throw. And you didn't even throw it to, like, Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin. Um, I can't even think of the guy's name they threw it to, but it wasn't one of their top two guys. And, you know, Butler steps up and picks it off and seals the deal and wins the Patriots the Super Bowl. And, you know, being a Bills fan, I obviously hate when the Patriots are on here, but um, that's one of the biggest games I think I remember. And... Next, I actually had the Philly Special at number five, one of the most iconic plays I've ever witnessed in the Super Bowl. You know, the reverse pass from Trey Burton throwing it to Nick Foles for a touchdown. Just that whole playoffs was unreal how Nick Foles comes in for Carson Wentz and leads them to a Super Bowl, even though we all know Wentz would have won MVP that year. And for a backup to step in and take them all the way there and play some of the best football of his life and beat you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots um, was something to behold. And that play really stands out among, you know, the greatest plays and just games in general of the decade. Um, number four, I had Villanova first North Carolina NCAA tournament. Hands down the best NCAA tournament game I've ever watched in my life. Um, back and forth the entire game. Both teams had a lot of great players in North Carolina. You had Marcus Page, Bryce Johnson, Joel Berry, um, Kennedy Meeks. And then you look at Villanova, um, Hart, Brunson, um, Jenkins, Archie Diacono, um, guys like that. 
And then Jenkins hitting the buzzer beater as time expired to win the NCAA tournament and win the Final Four just seconds after Marcus Page hits a mid-air floating three-pointer to tie it. Um, was absolutely crazy. Um, number three, I had Ray Allen's three-pointer in Game 6 of the NBA Finals to keep the Heat alive before they ended up going on to win that game and then win Game 7 to win the NBA Finals. Um, probably the biggest shot, most clutch shot I've seen in professional sports. Um, being able to time your feet like that to make sure you're behind the three-point line and hit that type of shot in that big of a moment, um, especially when, you know, LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, um, you know, that would have been, if they would have lost that game, that would have been two of three um, going to the finals and losing. You know, that could have potentially broken the heat up. Um, we'll never know if that would have, but, you know, LeBron ended up leaving two years later anyway, so, but it's still a big shot and one of the best games of the decade nonetheless. Um, number two, I had Auburn um, returning the field goal for a touchdown to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. One of the craziest games I've ever watched. Um, you know, Alabama, Alabama's lining up for this super long field goal. It's kind of one of those, if he misses it, no big deal. You go to overtime and, you know, you put your guy back there for Auburn and he manages to catch it because the field goes short and he ends up taking it all the way back and the fans are storming the field and you see the Auburn fans falling into like the little grass and getting stuck and whatnot and that was just a really fun game to watch and then number one um it's actually a combination of two plays but the game in general um is when game seven the NBA finals LeBron blocking Iguodala and then Kyrie Irving hitting the three over Curry to secure the Cavaliers their first ever NBA title. Um, LeBron going back home to Cleveland and fulfilling his promise of winning them championship, being the first team ever to come from 3-1 down um, to come back and win the NBA Finals. Um, really cool series to watch in general. Um, and then, you know, they ended up going and playing each other for the next few years after Warriors and Cavs in the Finals. Um, starting kind of a rivalry there between LeBron and Curry or LeBron and Durant, however you want to put it. But, um, yeah, that's probably one of the best. Um, if I had to put them, like I said, it's so hard to put them in order. Um, if I had to put them in order as, as far as top three goes, I'd probably say the LeBron block, the Allen three, and then the Villanova game. Although Kobe's 60-point game's also up there. Um, and like I said, I'm a basketball guy personally, so... Um, you know, those you can see why I have basketball up there. But um, you know, there's some stuff in hockey and tennis and soccer that easily could have been on here as well. Same thing with gymnastics stuff. It's just I'm not as big into those um, sports, or it's kind of hard to pick out a specific one. But those are my ten games or moments that uh, were the best over the past decade for me. But yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode. Like I said, a little bit of a shorter one today. Um, appreciate anyone, like I said before, that tuned in earlier to my Instagram live session. Um, hope to have you guys tune in for future ones. And I will be back on Tuesday. I'll be going over the um, Bills draft, and we'll just talk some other uh, Sabres hockey stuff. But, yep, thanks everyone for tuning in, and I hope to have you all tune on Tuesday. Please go and follow English Encore Podcast on Instagram. Thank you.